Uh, we're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy, if you would turn in your Bibles with me, the book of Deuteronomy. Genesis, that's the first book, right? Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Chapter 6. <clears throat> I, uh, I always feel self-conscious a bit when uh, I don't say hi to a lot of you. I've, I've tried to kind of, I'm not feeling great, and I just don't want to like share. I know sharing is caring, but I don't, you know, this kind of thing you just want to share, but I'm doing okay, but I just, I, so that, that's why I didn't say hi to you and didn't uh, come by. Anyway, it's good to see you here, and uh, I'm excited to go into the Word here and, and look today as we continue in our series, The Family of God. And as we look at The Family of God, and it's in this series last week, we, I told you we kind of talked about a three-part within that, and three parts of really the spiritual growth or development of the believer and what that looks like. So we're going to be looking at that today. Uh, we are in Deuteronomy 6. Before we get uh, further into that, let's go ahead and stop for a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we are grateful that you love us, that you are a father that, that has fatherly love and compassion towards us, that you instruct us, you're tender with us, that you're gracious to give us your spirit and your word. And Lord, as we come today, we, we don't come because we are sufficient or, or God, that we are fully put together. We come willing to hear from you and to be changed by you, and to be transformed by the power of your word and the power of your spirit. So God, help us to quiet our hearts now. God, I know from week to week there are so many things that happen and go on, and got so many things that uh, maybe are burdens in our lives, and, and of course there are victories as well. But God, help us not miss you in the midst of all of that. God, let us focus on you. Let us be attentive to you. God, to know first your heart. God, is, is to love us. God, to atone for us, to forgive us. God, that you want to help us grow. But God, may we get rid of any pride that we might have that's in the way of that right now. We think we know better so often, Lord, but really you do. So help us trust you. God, help us love you. God, help us be embraced by your love every single day. We pray that this time would be honoring to you and it would be transformative for us. We ask that your spirit would be convicting us of sin and God, that as we read your word, as we grow in the knowledge of Christ, that you would conform us into the image of the Son, Jesus. We thank you for Christ. It is in his precious name we pray. All right, so again, we're looking more deeply into uh, our growth and the, the process of discipleship, what that looks like for us. Uh, and, and last week, we, we, we started uh, looking at this, the family of God again and looking at, at the training and instruction that is necessary. And, and as we look at these three different areas, there's certainly more and more aspects to this, but, but I think it helps me wrap my mind around it. You think about this as a parent, it helps, it's helpful, right? So as a parent, we, we're there to train and instruct our children. We need to help them grow up and know what is right and what is wrong. These are the boundaries. These are the perimeters. This is who we are as a family. This is what we believe. This is what we teach. Uh, here's the fence I built in the yard. You can go play in the yard if you want. Don't go outside of that, right? Uh, stranger danger. All, all the things that we teach our children. It's training and instruction. And, and we also know that they may not totally fully embrace it, but we're trying to help them do that. And for us as disciples of Christ and as a, as a disciple, we should learn and, and grow in our own training and instruction. We should want to know what God wants from us. 
He's our heavenly father, and as a good heavenly father, he is teaching us and training us in, in instruction and in righteousness. And, and we learned that last week, that, that there's a parameter there, that his righteousness, first of all, comes from him. It's not something we can earn on our own. And then we grow in that as we acknowledge his ways are better than our ways. Um, if you wanted to really look into this, uh, last week we, we kind of tackled the what regarding discipleship. This week we look more into the why regarding discipleship. And I think it's a really important question. I, I don't know about you, I'm one of those guys who um, says I like to read instructions, but I usually don't. Right? Ikea furniture, anybody? Holy moly, right? You, you get a piece of Ikea furniture, and I've been to Ikea a lot of times. I like that place. My, my house has cabinets from Ikea, right? And so I think I'm a professional. And so if someone has Ikea furniture, of course I can help you put that together. And I get about, what, halfway, probably a little more because I'm really proud and I, I am my, I'm stuck in my ways. I get three quarters of the way done, and I'm missing parts, and things are loose, and something has not gone right. And first, I'm thankful I didn't use glue. So I take it apart, and what do I do? I read the directions. It's a little humbling, isn't it? It's like, oh, I guess I should do that, right? So uh, I've tried to learn to be better at reading the instructions, or instructions, not destruction. And I want to know, like, why does this go together the way it goes together? I, sometimes now I, I look, get a project. I'm like, okay, I know the project I have. But now I, I try to watch as many YouTube videos on it as I can or read as many instructions as I can and make a list and draw a design out and, and put, my, put all the pieces together. And then I go forward with it. I did this yesterday in my garage. I was cutting out some pieces for a bookshelf. And I thought, oh, this goes. I, I know how this goes. And like, no, stop, pause, just write it all down. Draw it all out, and it'll just it'll go well for you. And it, and it did. It went well for me as I cut the pieces. Uh, I measured twice, and I cut once, right? It's important. So this week, uh, we're moving from, again, training and instruction where we learn the what, uh, more to uh, looking at, at the love, like the love of the family of God and what its love should be. What should be our love? And, and more importantly, why should we love these things? Why should we love Jesus? Why should we love His Word? Why should we love to do what is lovely to God? Why should we care about what He cares about? I want to warn you, though. We are all quick to jump ahead or to run ahead. And it's in our faith, it's the same thing. It happens to us all the time. We, we want to skip ahead and say, Brandon, just skip to the point. I'll write it down and I'll do it. I, that's great, but if you don't know why you're doing it, if you don't believe in what you're doing, it really doesn't matter if you do it or not. It's got to resound inside. It's got to start in the heart. And, that, and that's what Jesus wants from us as well. It has to start right in our own heart. We like to run out in front. We like things in a nutshell. We want the prize without having to work. So we jump ahead. So here's my, my application for you today. Don't jump ahead. Don't Skip this part, all right? So let's look at Deuteronomy together, chapter 6. We'll read verses 1 through 9. This is the command, the statutes and ordinances the Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you're about to enter and possess. Again, this is a training and instruction from last week. Do this so that you might fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all his statutes and commands I'm giving you, your son and your grandson, so that you might have long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you might prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. 
Listen, Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be as a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your city gates. This is the word of the Lord. It's so, it's so imperative for us to, to love what God loves and to, and, and to figure out why He wants us to love those things. So today, as we go through, we're going to look at three different aspects of, of the family of God's love. What it should its love look like? And I know there are more than just these things, but we're going to look at three today. First, its love is this. A, number one, a response to His love. Our love needs to be a response to His love. See, we jump ahead, don't we? Like, oh, just, just let me do the task. Oh, I'll go out and serve somebody. Okay, I, I know it's the right thing to do. I'll, I'll take care of that. But there was no love felt from Christ first that motivated us to that. We, we can't love unless we've experienced Christ's love fully. Can't love the right way, let's say. Deuteronomy 6.3. Listen, Israel, be careful to follow them, the statutes, the commands, the training and instruction, so you might prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of our ancestors, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. You see, we often, when we see in Scripture, we often are reminded of all the things that God has done. And then, here's what we want you to do. And that's such a, a, a wonderful way to go. Even as we look at Deuteronomy, we see that God had brought them out in the Exodus, right, out of Egypt, and all the wonders and signs and miracles He had done because of His deep, steadfast, covenant love towards His people. And they're reminded, because of who God is, embrace Him. And you can love, and you can not only love, but you can trust who He's going to be as well. How many of us have a hard time? We like to skip ahead, right? We like to jump ahead. I'm struggling, and I'm like, but I'll trust God. But you say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, like it's the cliche to say, oh, well, we trust God. Do you? Do you really? Because if you haven't really embraced and known who God has been and what He has done, it's going to be really hard to trust who He will be for you. Unless you and I embrace this hesed, faithful, covenant love of God and who He has been, and remember who He has been, we're going to have trouble with our faith today or tomorrow. So we have to understand who He has been for us. Paul says in Romans 5, 8, this, he shows this steadfast love. He says, but God proves His love. He proves His love. How? He proves His love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the love of God. Amen? That you and I are, are separated from God because of our sin and our folly and our rebellion against Him. The Bible says every single person has chose that. Everyone is dead in their sin. And we talk about, this is like the, the, the I don't know, the, the century of identities or maybe the decade of new identities. We need this identity or that identity. We choose to, to identify as this. There are only two identities. You are, only, you are either lost and dead in sin or you are alive in Christ. Those are the only identities there are. Everything else is what you might be. Those are who you are. You are either dead in sin because we all are sinful and separated from God because of our sin 
or we are all alive in Christ because we have realized how dead in sin we are. We've seen what Jesus has done for us, that he atoned for our sin, that he died the death I deserved. On the cross, I deserved to hang on. And he died that death, and then he was buried, and then he rose again victoriously because he's God, and he conquered sin and death for me, that if I would put my faith in him, I would have eternal life, that he would forgive all my sin. You see, the church is not made up of perfect people. We're a bunch of imperfect people, right? My grandma always just says, I tell my friends, Brandon, like, I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. I'm just forgiven. Just forgiven. God, even while you were a sinner, while I was a sinner, he came. God of the universe came and put on human flesh. How humiliating that is for the God of the universe. And then he offered that human flesh as a sacrifice for your sin and for my sin. Not for his own. He, he did nothing wrong. He was perfect. And he died in my place and he died in your place so that we could have life and have forgiveness. How great is God's love? No greater love has anyone than this that he lay down his life for his friends. We skip ahead. We jump ahead. Oh yeah, I, I know Jesus. Oh, Jesus is good. It's, I, I'm a church person. My grandparents were Christians or my family is. I, oh, I used to go to church. Yeah, yeah, I have Jesus. I, there's a difference between having Jesus and being known by a loving Jesus. There's a difference between like having Jesus and really loving Jesus. Like, oh yeah, I've got Jesus. It sounds like, oh, I've got Jesus. It's like a token you got at the, at the circus or a carnival and you put it in your pocket with all your other tokens, all the other things that, that infest and invade in your heart. That's not where it belongs. What Jesus says is, I, I, I want to come and I want to love you. I'm going to take you. I'm going to hang you upside down. I'm going to shake you from your boots. So all those things inside of you that you're holding on to just fall out of your pockets. And then we'll, while you're right side up, we're going to clean you up and I'm going to hug you and I'm going to be yours forever. That's who Jesus is. He doesn't want to be your little token. He doesn't want to be your little coin or, or, or add-on to your life. He wants to be your everything. That's who Jesus is. And he shows how much he loves us by laying down his life for us. This is crazy crazy love. This is, this is extreme love. He loves you. And at the core of our, our growth and our discipleship, at the core of our Christianity, His love for you must move you inside. It must stir inside your heart, not just in the mind. Don't jump ahead. And they go, I, I've got it down. It's bigger than that. He's more than that. He loves you and wants to be known by you and loved by you. It's amazing how when we jump ahead, how we live lives of fear as well, of worry and of anxiety and of uh, we don't know where we're going or what's happening because we really haven't embraced Jesus. We just kind of have Jesus in our pocket. And there's fear in that. There's worry in that. But, but God's love, his perfect, amazing love, what does it say? Scripture say, his love, what? Cast out all fear. That's what his perfect love does. First John 4, there is no fear in love. We know Christ and we, we've been forgiven by Christ. There's no fear in love. Instead, perfect love drives out fear because fear involves punishment, but the punishment for our sin has been placed on Him. And you don't have to take it anymore. And I don't have to take it anymore. We put our faith in Him. So the one who fears is not complete in love. If you're walking around in fear, you're jumping ahead and you're not complete in love. Stop skipping ahead. We love because He first loved us. 
And there's the promise. When we have really embraced it, when we really put it in our heart, when we really start to obey that and love and treasure Christ, now we can actually love. Because I feel it, I know it, I've been embraced by his love. And it is what will motivate me. Our love must be in response to his. Turn with me if you would, keep your finger in Deuteronomy. Turn with me to Psalm 103, please. Psalms 103. We're going to read verses 1 through 13. And as we read this, I want you to see the psalmist explaining all that God has done, the amazing things he's done. And the first couple of verses are the response. It's like, this is how I should live. This is what my soul should feel. And here's why it should feel that way. I want this. I want this for you. I want this for us. Psalm 103, beginning in verse 1, it says this. My soul bless the Lord, and all that is within me bless His holy name. My soul bless the Lord, and, and don't forget all His benefits. This is like that, that praise and that overflow of love. My, I, just, I love you, God, and my soul is satisfied in you. Why? Verse 3. He forgives all of our iniquities, heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like an eagle. Why do we skip ahead of this? You see, when we do, we jump ahead, we forget, and we miss this. Verse 6, the Lord executes acts of righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He revealed his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in faithful love. He will not always accuse us or be angry forever. He has not dealt with our, us as our sins deserve or repaid us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his faithful love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. We must know him this way. And if you, if you keep running ahead and you keep putting the Ikea directions aside, stop and go back to it. Undo whatever you've done. You, you, you've likely really messed it up. Because I know that's what I do. Undo whatever you've done and go back. Go back. What, what would Revelation, what Jesus writes to the church, and he says, go back to your first love. Your first love. He'll, he'll take care of all the other stuff. But go back the first love and and let your soul bless the lord and all that's within you bless his name and not forget all of his benefits and once we know and embrace his love then we can live in response to his love having embraced us fully it, it goes back to the, the why like what is in the in the underneath of the what we ought to be doing uh, most of our lives are spent with with underneath expectations of people rules and lists and to-dos and things and so we get used to this idea of well just put in your time punch the clock to do the list right it, it, i mean it started for me as a uh, as a kid in a, working in a grocery store i mean every, every day i'd go into work the manager would give me the list and it was long on that on the big long legal you know the the yellow pad paper long list all sharpie and like this is what i expect you to do holy cow and i would work to please work to please and that's great in a job but what I had to learn to do also is, is love to do what I did. 
when he said, I want you to make a display of Diet Pepsi or Pepsi products on the end of, of the aisle cap, I had to love what I was doing. Otherwise, it was so tedious and such a bummer. And I saw how people worked. Have you ever done that before? You've seen how people work with just no motivation, no, no desire to really be doing what they're doing. Just, they're just punching the clock. And I can't live that way. There's not joy in that. In work, there's certainly not going to be joy in that, living that way in our faith in Jesus Christ either. So when we talk about the church's love, we have to understand it's a response to his love. It has to be a response to his love. So have you jumped ahead of his love? Do you need to go back? Do you need to rewind? Do you need to dive back in to see who he is and see who you really are? You, were, you are maybe dead in sin or maybe you were dead in sin and now you're alive in Christ? And embrace that and cherish who he is and what he's done for you. Number two, as a family of God gathers and meets and as it, as it exists, its love should be a yielding. It's love is a yielding of, of your will and your thoughts and your devotion to the Lord. There's a yielding in that. Look at Deuteronomy again, chapter 6, verse 4. We don't like this word, by the way, this yielding. You're saying, Brandon, well, I, I came to church. What more do you want? Well, I don't want you to come to church to please me. That's one, right? And it's not about just jumping ahead and like, like checking off the boxes. This is about a real relationship with God. And a few years ago, I talked about <clears throat> yielding, and I, I mentioned that uh, I, I used to live out uh, north of Abrams Lake, you know, that, on, uh, on Old Sage Road. And as I go under Graffiti Bridge, there's a yield sign right there. It's not a stop sign. It's a yield sign. But it, a yield sign means you better stop if there's oncoming traffic, right? And if there's not oncoming coming traffic, what? You just can go on through. I don't love those things, right? But I still have to yield. I still have to check. I can't go. It's not a green light. So next time you're at a yield sign, I think, am I, am I yielding to God as well? Object lesson every time you stop by, by one. Deuteronomy 6, let's look at 4 through 6. Listen, Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. This is the supremacy of God. This is who he is. It says, love the Lord your God. With what? All your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be where? In your heart. Down deep. This is, this is what real love is. It's a, it's a yielding. It says, I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not, not as I think I should or I'm going to do the, the work necessary so it looks like I love him. Do you think God knows the difference? Absolutely. I may not. You might not as we fool one another every single day. But God does. God does the yielding of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. <clears throat> if it's not a complete yielding, by the way, it's just lip service. It's lip service. And, and Jesus really spoke poorly of people that gave lip service, of the Pharisees, the religious teachers who said, oh, well, no, we're, we look right, we talk right. Remember what he said? Isaiah said this too about them, and, and Jesus quoted Isaiah later. Isaiah 29, uh, 13 and following, it says, The Lord said, These people, I don't want to be lumped into these people, by the way. I hope you don't want to either. But these people approach me with their speeches and they honor me with lip service, yet their hearts are far from me. And human rules are what direct their worship of me. What are they doing? They're fake. 
How did they get there? They jumped ahead. So we just look right, and we talk right, and we act right. It's all good. Then we are right. What was missing? Everything on the inside. Everything. And what eventually came out was just lip service. Their hearts were far from from them, and, and what directed their actual worship, which wasn't worship at all, was just human rules. And he goes on, Therefore, I again will I'll confound these people with wonder after wonder. The wisdom of their wise will vanish. The perception of their perceptive will be hidden. Woe to those who, who go to great lengths to hide their plans from the Lord. They do their works in the dark and say, Who sees us? Who knows us? That's the attitude we can have. Is if we skip ahead and we don't yield our, our will and our thoughts and our devotion to the Lord, if we don't love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, but it doesn't matter if we're not devoted on the inside. We have to be devoted from the heart, to love him from the heart. Jesus was speaking again regarding Isaiah's prophecy, and he, he said about these people, you will listen and listen, but will never understand. You'll listen and listen and never understand. You will look and look, but never perceive or never see. For, for the, this people's heart has grown callous. So if I'm not seeing, if I'm not looking, if I'm not hearing, it's because I'm not listening. My heart is callous. Their ears are hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, which means if they wouldn't do that, if they wouldn't jump ahead and think they've got it all together, if they wouldn't think like, well, if it, it, I, I look enough of the part so I'm good and then I'm going to do my own thing and go my own way, if they wouldn't do that, otherwise... They might see with their eyes and they might hear with their ears and they might understand with their hearts and then turn back. And God says, and I would heal them. And I would heal them. That's all we really ask for, isn't it? All we really want is this soul-satisfying rest and healing in the Lord. If we were being honest, that's what we want. But the world invades and the pressures and the pleasures and the cares and and they stresses, and we jump ahead and bypass the love of God altogether and bypass knowing Him more deeply and yielding our lives to Him, and we miss out. And we wonder why we feel like we have cold hearts. We feel like, we wonder why we, things aren't going our way. We wonder why, man, people who were friends of mine seem like they're not very friendly anymore. Because your heart has been hardened calloused against the things of God, against the people of God, against what God's word would say to you. Which ultimately, if you would yield your heart and soul and mind and strength to him, he would bring about rest and healing to you. All the outward devotion in the world would get you nowhere if you don't yield your very heart and will to Jesus. Find out why. We believe what we believe. This, this goes, here's part of the parenting part of this. Last week I told you that with my children, I asked them to obey when I ask. Right, that I don't count to three anymore and I, don't, I try not to count to three. I try not to raise my voice anymore. That, that children should honor their mother and father and the Lord because it's right. They should, they should have honor and respect, right? So it will go well for them that they might have long life. Those are important things. And so we talk about, like, you're going to listen to what your mom and dad say the first time when you're told, right? And you're going to do it with, with a heart that says, okay. 
but I said last week, I preempt a lot of that now with, with a deeper why. So I will explain a, what's about to happen. I'll explain what, uh, the, I'm, I'm about to tell you something, children. I'm about to give you some instruction. I'm about to let you know that I want you to do something. And, and you know that you're to hear, hear what I say and do it the first time, you're told. Right? Or it will not go well for you. And here's what I'm thinking we're going to do. And I'll explain why and I'll give them the background. I want them to understand that I'm not just a military drill sergeant expecting them to follow orders without knowing why. Now, at times, I, I do want that. Right? I said this, I, I think I said this here. If, if we're on a street corner and my kids run out in the middle of the road or start going that way, when I say stop, I don't need to have time to explain why. They need to stop. But that trust is built as we as parents tell them why. And, and it's amazing how I would, I'll go to what I feel is great lengths to encourage my children and to tell them all of the deep things of my heart and mind and, my, and their, their mother's mind and what they should do and, and why this is important. And I'll explain it and then I'll say, now, now would you please go and do this? Or now we're going to do this. And guess what question I have? Guess, guess what comes next? Hold on. What? Oh, man. What did you say? You said, why? Why, why did they ask Why? Because they weren't listening. Their hearts were hardened. They, they didn't have eyes to see or ears to hear. Listen, your Father in heaven loves you, and He's given you why after why after why after why through His Word. And it's precious to us. And you keep wondering, like, why does He want me to do this? Why is this such a bummer? Because you're not listening to the heart of your Father in heaven. Yield. Stop. And listen to the heart of Jesus and, and you will understand why and you will, you will graciously and obediently and, and with all joy say, okay, Dad, I'm going to do that. I know you love me. I know your ways are better than mine. Even if I don't quite get it, I'm not even going to ask you why anymore. I trust you and I will obey what you have said to me. See, there needs to be a connection not just a knowledge, but a knowledge that penetrates the heart. This, this is how it comes about in our salvation as well. Paul says in Romans 10, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's confessing, oh, Jesus is Lord. I'm glad you think that. So do all of the demons. But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth resulting in salvation. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame. I, I love that. I don't want to be put to shame. So it, it has to come from the heart. I have to make this connection, right? Sometimes this is the, the, the furthest 16 or 18 inches away from each other. It seems like a, a chasm yielding what we think, what we want, our passions, our desires, and saying, God, help me reconcile those both so I can confess with my mouth, believe in my mind, and believe in my heart of who you are. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But it comes from that deep belief in the heart. A heart knowledge leads to a head conviction. It means you really believe. You understand that? We can, let's talk about diets. Like, oh, I, I'm going to do this diet. You will for about that long unless you really believe it. Unless you really believe that's what's good and right for you, 
you really have embraced that, you'll do it for about that long. You understand, like, who we are? We jump ahead, don't we? I just want the results. I don't, I don't have to believe it too, do I? Yeah. Yes. Yes, you do. Heart knowledge leads to a head conviction, which is, it's a, I, I become convinced of this. I want that for me. I want that for my children. I don't, again, I don't want them just to follow orders. I want them to do that. But I want them to know why, and I want them to want to obey. Paul writes in Corinthians, says, the love of Christ, that's number one, right? It compels us. We just talked about that. that. That our love is a response to God's love. So the love of Christ should compel us since we have reached this conclusion. I, I want to be able to say, I've reached a conclusion. My heart has believed something. And it's come from the love of God. That one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves. What is that? That's a yielding of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, isn't it? That we shouldn't live for ourselves, but we should live for the one who died and was raised. That's what our life should be wrapped up in, is in Jesus. That we've become convinced and we've reached this conclusion in the heart. I hope that you believe in your heart that, that Christ is all satisfying. I hope that you haven't skipped ahead. I hope that you believe in your heart that, that He will care tenderly for your heart. That you haven't skipped ahead. That you're not calloused and doubting and angry and disobedient. I hope that you believe in your heart that, that all His ways are right and good. Yield to Him from your heart. Finally, number three. When we look at the family of God and its love, it should be in the Word of God. The, our love is the Word of God. It's the Word of God. And, and so, so many of us, and me included, set this aside for far too long. Or, or we, don't, we don't go to it as the first source. So it's like, what does it say? What is this, how does this inform my situation today? It's like, I'll try to figure this out, and if all else fails, maybe Brandon's sermon might give me a nugget of truth. I'll just believe that. No, this is where it is. This is the source. This is what we lift up high on Sunday morning and on Wednesday night and every time in between so that you and I, in the morning when we get up and rise, we read it. And in the middle of the day, we read it and put it, hide its word in our heart. In the evening, we go to bed thinking about it and meditating on God's word because we love God's word. Why do we love God's word? Because it's the why. It helps us understand why we believe what we believe. It helps us understand why we obey the way we ought to obey. It helps us be transformed from the inside out. He says, in, back to Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. <clears throat> These words that I'm giving to you today are to be where? In your heart. In your heart. Repeat them. Then it goes further, not just in your heart. Repeat them to who? Your children. In fact, talk about them. So, okay, we should talk about them. When? When you sit in your house, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up, when should we talk about them? All the time. All the time. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be as a symbol on your forehead. Write them on your doorpost of your house and on your city gates. The Word of God and the truth of who God is should permeate every aspect of our life. Every aspect of our life. Uh, I mentioned I, I was reading a book by Vadi Bakum, The, the Family-Driven Faith. And it was interesting, his take on this passage. I know he believes that in Israel would. They, they'd put these things all over the house. They'd touch them when they went in. They, they'd remember these things all the time. But one of the things he said is like, 
you and I, like, let's experience the Word of God in deep, meaningful ways with our sight, smell, sound, touch, and taste. Like, all of those things. He even brought up, and get this, I, I remember, like, the sights in my grandma's home. Like, the, the images, the pictures, the paintings of, uh, remember the, the couple angels walking the kid across, the two, or one angel walking a kid, two kids across the plank, across the creek? That was an old time, like, that, that was hanging in the bedroom that I stayed in every summer. Along with this huge painting that showed the kingdom of God on the far-reaching side of this canyon. And on this side was like perilous, perilous place, right? But in the middle of that was this cross that was laid down as a bridge across it. Remember that picture? Yeah, I, these are things that have permeated my heart and my mind. The prayer that we would say as a family before our meal was the same prayer every single time. It permeates. And above my, my grandma's dining table what was this, uh, on this beam was a picture of, of an old fatherly gentleman, right, with his head bowed and the bread on the table. Remember that picture? These things permeate, right? When I, when I moved to Montana, think about the experience I had. I, I would go to my, my adopted grandparents, the ones that I adopted, and they adopted us. Uh, they would take us to church, and then they would, they would take us to lunch afterwards. We'd go, to, we'd go to, it was called Beck's is where it was. It was like, it was like a Black Bear Diner, right? And, and I just remember, I mean, man, we were so excited. What did we associate Beck's with every time we went? Church, God, goodness, love. And then we'd, we'd stay at their house. <clears throat> there's, there's a couple things that really, really come to mind there. Biscuits and gravy was my, mom, my grandma's forte. Like, no one has ever made biscuits and gravy like her. No one ever will make biscuits and gravy like her again. Don't try. It just won't work, right? So every time I even see or smell, or, it, it reminds me of the grace of God in my grandma's home. Two other items at her home. She had two jars, you know those old jars that had like the, the weird wire thing that capped the, bought the top, right? She had two of these jars on her, on her uh, counter. One had Werther's Originals in it. And one had those little orange slice candies. <laughs> dum dum. <laughs> those, every time, every time I smell one or see one, I am just, I'm ex back to exposed to the goodness of the gospel in that home. I think that we need to be people like that. That, that inundate our sight, smell, sound, touch, and taste, all of those things, we need to inundate our, and permeate our homes and let God's Word permeate in that way as well. So it gets down deep in the core of who we are. we got to love the Word of God in that way. Let it transform us and let it permeate us. How should we view the Word of God? Well, as transformative. We should view it as transformative, as, as, as right. How should we... In, and how will we let it permeate our souls? That's the question. We go to it with a yielded heart, day in and day out. Let every decision we make, every question we have, be answered by God's word. <clears throat> Paul writes to the Thessalonians. He says, we, we constantly thank God for you because when, when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it. And you welcomed it not as as a human message, but as it truly is, the Word of God, which also works effectively in all who believe. The Word of God works effectively in you and I. If we would what? Receive it as the Word of God. And not just some, no, it's some message. There are a lot of some messages out there. Stop skipping ahead to that. Go back to the Word of God. <clears throat> we ought to be nourished by it. Jeremiah writes this in Jeremiah 15. That your words were found and I ate them. Your words became a delight to me and the joy of my heart. 
That doesn't sound tedious at all. That sounds like he's being nourished day in and day out by God's word. Psalm 119. How I love your instruction. It is my meditation all day long. I, I say that, and now listen, here's what I get. You're like, I don't have time for that. And when we say I don't have time for that, what do we do? We jump ahead. We skip ahead. The, psalm, the psalmist says, I love your instruction. Instruction, it's my meditation all day long. That's how much he loves it. That's how much it transforms him. It goes on in verse uh, 111 of 119. Uh, I, ha I have your decrees or your word as a heritage forever. Indeed, they are the joy of my heart. You know what that means, a heritage forever? Like this is going to go on and on and on down the generations. I, I think I mentioned this last week. When we are parents the way we should parent, and we invest in children around us, when we are a, ch a church family of God investing in the next generation, it is not just about my two children at my home. It's about all the children in this church and about their children and their children and their children and their children's children. On and on. It's a legacy, a heritage that God's word does something amazing through the years as a heritage. They're the joy of my heart. And he says, because of that, I am resolved to obey your word to the very end. To the very end. God's word. You have to have time for that. And it's not just, God, just tell me what to do. No, it's about learning why. So we obey God from the heart. Amen? I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up, and they're going to close us out here with some songs. We're going to respond in worship in just a moment. <clears throat> but, I, but I want us to think through, how might we be jumping ahead? How might we be? Maybe you... You're jumping ahead in the Jesus department. You're like, ah, yeah, yeah, Jesus is great. I have Jesus. He's, like, he's in my pocket. I've kind of added on some Jesus to me. Yeah, you've jumped ahead. He, he loved you, and you are dead in your sin, and you need his love, and you need to respond to his love and faith and repentance so that you can have life and be alive in Christ. Don't jump ahead. Don't jump ahead. And maybe it's a yielding department. It's like, ah, I don't, I don't want to yield everything I've got some things I'm dealing with, some things I'm doing, some things I'm believing, I want to embrace those. And, and yeah, I'll have Jesus, and I'll look the part, and I'll talk the part, but it, I'm not, you're not really yielded. Stop jumping ahead. Undo that crazy Ikea thing that you just built that is going to fall apart anyway. And go back to yield to the Word and love of God. And then it's finally on the Word of God. Are you jumping ahead? Are you like, oh, they'll teach me on Sunday morning. I'll get, I'll get a little nugget of truth for my daily devotional verse. That's all I need today. Or, or, or do you want to go back and say, you know what, I, I want to I eat on God's Word. I want to feast on God's Word. I want to be nourished by God's Word. I want to love God's Word and, and know why it is I believe what I believe. And let it transform me and change my heart and convince me of my ultimate satisfaction that can only be in God and through His Holy Spirit. That's what we ought to be doing. So that... Psalm 19, 14 can be our prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock, my... Amen. Let's stand together as we pray and then continue to worship in song. <clears throat> Father, we, we run ahead so, so often. We, we think we have the best strategy. We think we know better. Lord, we are, we are basically little children. God, help us to stop and to, and to yield our hearts to you and listen to see first your great love that you have for us. And that that love is an endearing love. It's not just a, 
a happenstance. Here's, here's a, an item I can carry along with me, kind of love. It's, it's in everything. And God, let us yield our hearts to you, our will, our devotion, our minds. Let it be transformed by you, Lord, and that you begin to teach us why your righteousness is so important, why your ways are so beneficial. And God, as we, as we grow in this love, may we love your word more and more. May we really find it something that nourishes our soul. May we go to it with humility, with desire that we might delight in you. We thank you. We want to know you better and to follow you more closely. And we pray in Christ's name.